one more time. Welcome to the True North Church podcast, where we gather to explore faith, find inspiration, and strengthen our spiritual connection. At True North, we exist to help people navigate through the oceans of life in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Each week, we'll dive into meaningful discussions, share uplifting stories, and delve into the teachings that guide our lives. Whether you're a longtime member or a first-time listener, we're grateful to have you join us on this journey. So, let's embark on this episode of Faith, Community, and Discovery together. So much better I love that song. So much better your way. Listen, Miranda knew she was in trouble because, you know, we're, we start our Easter series today. Hallelujah. And I asked her, I said, is there any, because uh, me and Miranda, we grew up together. So she knows, she knows songs that I forget. And I know songs that she's, that she's forgotten. I said, is there any songs that, is there any like songs you want to throw into the Easter set list? And obviously today ain't Easter, but we're building up towards it. And that's what the series will be about. And one of the songs she mentioned, or two of them, was Never Lost in Defender. She had me at Defender when I, when I saw the D-E-F. I, did, I knew. I said, oh, Defender. Uh, y'all know, anytime we sing that, I, I just go ham. I just, there's, something, there's something so powerful and so freeing when you say, so much better your way. And if you're like me, for me to say, Lord, your way is so much better, it's, it's me acknowledging that out of my own strength, it don't cut it. Out of my own strength, it don't cut it. I don't know a lot, but I know a little. And what little I know, it's, it doesn't compare to what he knows. Listen, I don't know your past experience. I don't know your accolades. I know some of y'all. I don't know all your accolades. I don't know the exact number of your IQ, but what your, your best intentions, what you, what you score a 10 on out of a scale 1 to 10, it, it's not comparable to his way. It's not comparable, and I don't say that to, to be burdensome, but I say that for us to think about, okay, what I think I do best at, he do so much better. Woo! What I think I can dunk on, oh, he, he shoots from the parking lot. That's one of my, my favorite things about Steph Curry, man, can shoot from the, from, the, from, the, uh, from the locker room and still make it. And when I get amazed at watching him on TV shoot from the locker room, God is like, I can shoot through every insecurity every wall, every mountain. I can make your mountains, I can turn them into molehills. I can create rivers that go through dry lands. I can take your dry seasons and make them plentiful. I can take your plentiful seasons and make them super abundant, more than we can ask or think. That's the kind of God we serve. So when we say, so much better your way. Listen, if you don't get none today, I pray that you leave here singing in your car, so much better your way. Lindsay, I can't sing. That's okay. You can just say, Lord, I thank you that your way is so much better than mine. Especially when you go to work tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday. When you go back, so much better your way. Add this to that 60-second challenge because it doesn't just end this week. You know, don't be like, all right, the 60-second challenge is over. Woo, no, you keep on going. Keep on going. And add to it, Lord, I thank you. Your way is so much better. See, we we just gave you some content for your prayer. 
for your prayer convo. When some of y'all are like, I don't know what to say to the Lord. That's what you say right there. So much better. Lord, I thank you. Your way is so much better. Lord, I thank you. Your way of parenting. I'm going to just walk down my street and knock on my door. Lord, I thank you that your, your way of parenting is so much better than, I, than anything I can ever fathom. Lord, I thank you that your way of marriage is, something, is better than anything that I can ever dream of. Lord, I thank you that your way, uh, your way of me working at the job that I work, it's so much better than what I think I know. Amen. Amen, amen. Look at somebody near you say, I'm so glad you are here this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to get started this morning. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Will you finish that for me? And then at the end, bring it back. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's all good. I'll put it on the screen. I'm going to control it from up here this morning. But we're going to be in the CSB. Some of y'all are like, hallelujah. Hallelujah, the CSB. Thank you, Jesus. We start our sermon series this week, or, yeah, sorry, this, for this month. It's called The Undoing of Adam. Somebody say The Undoing of Adam. And this would be our Easter series. Now, we actually kind of talked about this last year. And, uh, you know, I was telling somebody my, my biggest mistake was the fact that, um, trying to comprise it all on Easter Sunday. I remember like we went a little longer. I, for those that weren't here last Sunday, we had the had like nine pages of notes. Will you fade that music out for me? That's what I was asking for. Uh, we had like nine pages of notes because I was just like, we got to get it. We got to get it. We got to understand what he did at the cross. And some people are like, Phew. by the end of it, everybody's like, well, that's, that's, that's a lot, Lindsay. Ooh. Can, we, can we take a half time, a half break? And I'm like, no, you got to get it. We got to get it. So coming up this year, I was like, okay, Lord, we can't do that again. How, okay, let, let's stretch it. Let's, let's make it into a series so we can dive into it and break it down and fully understand it. Amen. Hallelujah. God's good. Amen. Let me pray real quick. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your way being better than our way. Your way is so much better than anything that we could ever dream up or imagine, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord. Like Kelsey said, I thank you that you are making us good ground. Lord, I thank you that the seed that you sowed today in our hearts, Lord, it doesn't fall by the wayside, Lord. Make us receptive to receive it. Make us receptive to understand it. Make us receptive to, to seek you for anything and everything that we don't know. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen, amen. The undoing of Adam, the undoing of Adam. I'm very excited about this. Um, there's actually a book based off of it. We won't really get into too much of it, but uh, if you're if you're a reader like myself, you're more than welcome to hit me up afterwards, and I can send you the link, or you can literally just go on Amazon. I think it's like seven dollars or whatever. It's a really good book. Small, it's thin, so don't think you know like ah oh, he's gonna recommend this big. No, it's just it's just about that thin. It's pretty small. But the undoing of Adam. So in First Corinthians, chapter fifteen, we'll start with verse forty-five. We're gonna read forty-five through forty-seven. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-given spirit. <clears throat> However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. And then this last verse, the first man was from the earth, a man of the dust. The second man is from heaven. The second man is from heaven. So our key verse in this is verse 45. It actually says, Paul says, so it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-given spirit. So Paul, he is referring to in the scripture, he's referring to the last Adam as Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. 
So he's, he's given Jesus this nickname as the last Adam. Because so you got to understand, Adam, Adam that we know, Adam and Eve, the first human, he was created perfect. He was created without a sin nature. When God made him in the likeness of the Father, Son, and Spirit, he made him to know no sin. He was made perfect. And the reason that Paul refers to Jesus as the last Adam, because obviously the first Adam, he was human. He was created perfect. He did not have a sin nature at first, but then he disobeyed and brought sin into the world. Jesus, who is the last Adam, he's the last Adam because in the sense that he was the last man that God made that did not know sin. And really, I say that God made, but as far as that God brought into the earth that did not know sin. Let me correct that real quick. Now, this series, we're, you know, we're calling it The Undoing of Adam, so that means that we have to talk about the garden. And eventually, Easter Sunday is March 31st, so I encourage you to make, make plans to be here, bring a friend, bring a couple friends, bring some loved ones. <clears throat> and also, it's our Fellowship Sunday. I'm very excited about that. Fellowship Sunday, every fifth Sunday of the month, what we do is we, we, uh, we, we, we kind of do maybe a shorter service, but we, we have a meal in the back where we we extend the worship so what that what i mean by that is we extend the worship because you can worship and gather together not just by singing but the bible says that do not forsake the gathering together of the brethren he didn't just say don't 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 forsake the gathering of the brethren in church no he meant hey don't forsake getting together with people that are children of god so what we do is, on Fellowship Sunday, we do this by gathering together over a meal. There's no better way than to get together than some food. You know, if you know somebody could cook, you're like, hey, I'm coming over. You know, I, I remember as a kid having different relatives that cooked real good stuff. And if I just happen to be over and so-and-so said they was going to cook some stuff, I won't call you. I don't want to do that. But I, I'm just saying part of my childhood is marked by some of the stuff that y'all cooked. And I'll shout, oh, me. And I, 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 I've been blessed for it. Amen. Still, somebody, we was talking at work the other day, and somebody said, what's your favorite meal? I said, my ultimate favorite meal goes back to when I was a childhood. And my granny would cook greens, sweet potatoes, and fried pork chop. Oh, my Lord, with some cornbread? Come on, put you to sleep. I said, put you to sleep. They said, she still make that. I said, I ain't had that in a minute. I said, but I'm just saying, like, that's the standard. And then everything else just, you know, kind of skates underneath. But there's no better way than to gather together over food. So we're going to do that on Easter Sunday. just happens to fall on the fifth Sunday on the, in our calendar. So if you wasn't going to come, you might want to come to get some, some food. Um, invite, invite whoever you want to as well. Amen. Amen. So with that, though, that's, so with this whole series, we're building up to that. So before we can really get into Adam and Eve and the garden and all that, you know, for most of us that do know, but even if you don't know, I'm glad you may not know because we get the chance to, to educate you. Amen? Amen? So before we get into that, we're going to talk about the life before the garden. Today is going to be focused on the life before the garden. Lindsay, I didn't know there was life before the garden. Oh, yes. Yes, there was. There was life before the garden. Look at your neighbor and say, buckle up. So in John chapter 1, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, it's all good. I'll put it on the screen. But John chapter 1, we're going to be in verses 1 and 2. John says this. Some of y'all may know it very well, but it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I love this. Verse 2, he was with God in the beginning. So I love this because we've talked about this before. But, you know, I remember being a kid or being a, a, a teenager in high school. And we had to take electives 
you had to take electives in order to graduate the college university track. I don't, I don't even know if it's a thing anymore. But you had to have two, you had to have two years of foreign language. And I remember my first year of Spanish, bruh, whoo, that was rough. I remember we walk in there. I knew, I knew, I knew my numbers. Numbers. I, oh yeah, you know, numbers got that. That's the first page of the test. You know, uh, our first, our first day. She's like, I'm gonna give you a test. It's not gonna count against you. Just want to know where you at. First page was numbers. Boom, got that. Got that from daycare. Mom, uno cuatro set. Come on, I got that. I can spell it backwards. Can't, but I, I, I was with that much confidence. Get to the second page. Got the colors. I was like, okay, you know, I don't, I don't know orange, but I know red, no blue, no black, mm, no, you know, all white, no all these different ones. And then we get to the third page, and it's got all these different sentences and vocabulary words. I was like, I said, what? Uh, and I raised my hand. Uh, hey, 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 Miss Simo, I, I, I think you may have gave me somebody else's test. And she looked at, no, no, this is yours. I was like, I, I don't know any of this. And my first year of Spanish, you know, it was, uh, I passed by the grace of God. I got a, I averaged out with a 74. Now, back then, 74 was a, was a D. It wasn't a C. It was a high D. <laughs> As a, this, this brother did try, okay? That's what that was. And then Spanish 2 come around, and I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm going to need you again. Spanish 2, I passed, I averaged with a 94. 94 is a high B. This brother didn't try, but the brother beside him tried, and that's how I got that B. But one of the things I remembered in Spanish, too, was I remember our first year, she puts, uh, she, she, she puts and y'all have heard me tell this story before, over, time and time again, but she puts the, the, back then we had the projector screens where it mirrored onto the, uh, to the wall, and she puts in this website. She's like, now class, pay attention. I think, I think you might have been in there with me. She's like, class, pay attention, and she's speaking in Spanish. I'm just like, I, all I caught was pay attention. Like, I got that much, so I'm paying attention. And uh, she says, now, uh, you can input a sentence in here, and it translates the sit, you know, translated to the language. And here's where my mind kicks in. Is she telling me how to cheat? She, she don't know who she got in this classroom. All she don't know, my daddy said, I got to graduate or I ain't going to make it. She don't know that she is helping me fulfill my father's desires. Come on, that'll preach right there. She don't know what she's doing. She don't know what she's doing. So she puts in one sentence in English, and it translates to Spanish. I'm like, let's go. I'm, I'm jotting down the website name. I'm like, all right, this is where all, when it comes time for Spanish homework, this is where I'm going right here. And then she puts, and then she says, but here's the warning. She says, you cannot use this website. And I'm like, yes, I can. Fishes and loaves. I, I'm going to use this website. You don't show us how. You can't just give us the, the answer, the solution, then tell us, no, you can't give me the apple for it and then, then close the door. No, I'm going to eat it. And uh, she puts in the English or she puts in the sentence in Spanish and then she translated back into English. And when she did, the verbs were in different places. The nouns were in different places. And she says, you know, when you do that, a lot of times languages are different. And when you try to translate them, things get lost in translation. And when it comes to the Bible, the Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek. Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And there's nothing wrong with reading in English. Now, don't think I'm at, house, I'm at the house reading in Greek. Listen, I barely pass Spanish. I ain't, I ain't reading in Greek. But there are sometimes when I'm studying the Bible and I'll come along a verse, and I'm like, I wonder what it says in the original text. I encourage you, when you're reading the Bible, just study. Even if it's just one sentence, just study that sentence and see what it says in the original text. Lindsay, why do you say all that? I say that to say this. In verse 1, we read where it said, in the beginning was the word. Now, John refers to the word as Jesus. And then watch this. It says, and the word was with God. 
Now that phrase seems, you know, very like, okay, that's very explainable. But that word with, in the Greek, it's the word pros. And that word pros means face to face. Oh, I like this. This is good. It means face to face. So when John is describing Jesus with God, he's not just describing him as God's right here and Jesus right here. No, no, no. He's describing him as Jesus is face to face with God. Face to face with God. Somebody say face to face. Face to face with God. I love this because also by him saying in the beginning was the word, he's implying that there's no origin for God or Jesus, but instead he's implying a timeless existence. He's implying that they've always existed. He's, in, you know, my kids always ask me, Dad, who, who created God? God. Well, 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 who created Jesus? Jesus they, they, they've always existed, son. Before the foundations of the world, they were there. Amen. Jesus was face to face with God. And, you know, it's, it's, hard to have, it's hard to have your own agenda or carry out your own plans when you're face to face with somebody. You know, me and my boys, we like to wrestle and we like to love. We love hard. And one of the things I like to do with them, I'll, I'll press my nose, especially the baby, I'll press my nose against his nose. And it's hard for him to get out of sync with me. Why? Because our face is pressed up against each other. Jesus, it's hard for him to have his own agenda. Now, he doesn't have any desire to have his own agenda. But this is why he doesn't is because he's face to face with God. Could you imagine if you were face to face with the one that you were created from? In John chapter 14, this is why Jesus said this. In John chapter 14, verse 8 through 11, in the Passion Translation, Philip spoke up, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be all that we need. In verse 9, Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you all this time, and you still don't know who I am. How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. Verse 10, don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from my father, for he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. And then verse 11, Jesus says this. He says, believe that I live as one with my father. There's that word one. Somebody say one. Believe that I live as one with my father and that my father lives as one with me, or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I have done. Amen. So we're talking about how Jesus is the, he's undone what Adam has done, what Adam did. So we're talking about the undoing of Adam. But in this, Jesus is implying that him and the Father are one. Him and the Father are one. He doesn't just imply it in this scripture, but even in John chapter 17, in John chapter 17, verse 11, he says, Holy Father, I'm about to leave this world to return and be with you. But my disciples will remain here. Holy Father, so I ask that by the power of your name, protect each one that you may, that you have given me and watch over them so that they will be united as one. There's that phrase, even as we are what? One. John chapter 10, verse 30. I'm pulling a Kelsey like she did last week, giving you some scriptures, several scriptures. But John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, the Father and I are what? One. There is a oneness within the Trinity. There is a oneness within the Trinity. The early church called this oneness between God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The early church coined this phrase called perichoresis. Somebody say perichoresis. 
Now, we've talked about this before, but, you know, obviously we're, we're setting up what life was like before the garden, before Adam and Eve. But the oneness that the early church coined, the way they described the Trinity, the way they were described the relationship between the Father, Son, and Spirit, they called it perichoresis. And what perichoresis is, perichoresis is a mutual indwelling without losing oneself. It's a mutual indwelling without losing oneself. And I had a whole slide for this, but, you know, I, I, I didn't put it up there. But understand this, the term perichoresis, it's also used for a typical Greek wedding dance. Oh, don't now, don't, don't y'all try this at your weddings. We got some weddings coming up. Don't you try this. Don't throw me in it. But the way they did back then, the perichoresis dance, it was a, it was a typical Greek wedding dance. And in this dance, there was not two partners. It was three partners, at least three. And what they would do, they would start in a circle and they would weave in and out. And as they would weave in and out, they would weave in a, in a wonderful motion pattern, but they, they would start to go faster and, have, and faster, all while staying in perfect rhythm, perfect rhythm with the other, perfect rhythm with the other, and perfect synchronization with the other. Eventually, they are dancing so quickly and effortlessly. That's not me. Dancing effortlessly, listen, you get what you get, don't put your fit. I can hold up a wall real good, but the whole, all that court, no, no, no. Flash mob stuff, count me out for that. I just, you know, I got my positions, move right there, shake a little, and then we, we go on to the next song. But in this perichoresis dance, they're literally moving so fast while in sync with each other that it starts to blur. Watch this. Eventually, they're dancing so quickly that it becomes a blur and even a part of a larger dance. But even though they are blurred together, they still remain, they still have their individual identities intact and, and are unchanged. They're unchanged. And I love this because looking this up, so the church fathers, they describe the Trinity as a harmonious set of relationships in which there is a mutual giving and receiving. Mm. Sounds a lot like marriage. Why do you think God takes marriage so seriously? Why? Because he is in a fellowship with the Father and the Spirit where it is a constant mutual giving and receiving. The relationship is called love. It's what the Trinity is all about. Perichoresis is then the dance of love. The early church referred to the Trinity as the great circle dance. Why? Because literally done in spirit, they are, they are mutually indwelling each other while still staying who they truly are. They're still giving and receiving. They're still honoring and respecting. They're still loving and, and, and taking care. They're still looking out for the best interests of the other while not losing their self. Why do you think God calls us to walk in agape love? See, God's not going to ask you to do something that he's never done himself. God's not going to ask you to better somebody else if he's never bettered somebody else other than God's not going to ask you to put somebody else in front of you if he if he's never taken a, a, a bat scene and placed the whole world in front of him. Amen. Literally, the Bible says in Philippians chapter two, Jesus literally gave up heaven and put and literally became like us and put us on the priority seat. To the point that he went to the cross. God's not going to ask you to do something that he's never done himself. Amen. Amen. And if you're like, okay, Lord, if, if you feel like the Lord asked you to do something, you're like, Lord, I, I, I don't know. Lord, show, show me where you did that. Lord, show me how to do that. Give me wisdom. We talked about it last week, how God gives wisdom. Amen. Amen. There's nothing wrong with asking for wisdom. We had a situation last week where literally we were driving home. And, you know, one of the boys said something. And I could feel the humor in me coming out. 
I could feel the crossroads coming out. I could feel the Highway 22 coming out. I could feel the Virgil Lane coming out. And I was just like, he don't know. I'm gripping the steering wheel like, just wait till we get home. He don't know who we messing with. He don't know I went to LHS. He don't know how I cut my teeth. You know, all these different things. And I'm like, took a deep breath, thinking about what Pastor Kelsey said last week. And I'm like, Lord, give me wisdom on how to correct my child. And when we got home, the Lord gave me wisdom. And I was like, Lord. And Kelsey's like, okay, you better, you better preach it. And I'm like, but my flesh wanted to do something else. My flesh wanted to put the hands. My flesh wanted to introduce them to the ministry, to the altar. Drive them out here and say, here's the altar. Bam, how you got there? That's on you, you know. But wisdom bypasses our flesh. Wisdom will leave your flesh there while elevates you up to where God is. And I don't know about you, but we live in a crazy enough world where I need to be operating in the mindset of the mindset of Christ. I need to be thinking with the mind of Christ. I need to be reacting with the mind of Christ. You need to be living and planning and preparing and reacting with the mind of Christ. Amen. And I love this because the early church, they referred to the relationship, they referred to the Trinity as the great circle dance. Now, out of this dance, out of this mutual giving and receiving, here's what happened. Lindsay, what happened? What happened was in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, says, Then God said, Let us make man. Let me pause for a minute. It says, Let us. How cool is that? Listen, if y'all don't know, I'm a nerd. I'm a straight-up nerd, and I accept it. When I was a kid, I didn't accept it, but now I accept that I'm proud of it. Wear the badge, got the roster jacket and the bumper sticker. But it says, let us make man. Now, knowing that, now that you know that the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father, they are literally mutually together, locked arms with each other, that they are loving and respecting each other so much. Now, out of that great love, what happens? What do they do next? They create us. It says, let us make man. Not just make man, but let us make man in our image and in our likeness. I love that. You know, one of my favorite things about my son, my oldest son, is that he looks like his father. <laughs> hey, hey. He looked, I mean, we was looking at younger pictures of myself at, uh, at uh, Shiloh National Park, and I'm literally, I'm like, man, that looks just like Kelly. Looks just like Keenan. Looks just like Cohen. Now, one of the things I don't like is that they got the attitude of the dad. We're working on that. Y'all keep praying. <laughs> but one of the things I love about it is that they look like me. In fact, you know, Kellen, he was at school uh, last week or the week before, and literally there was a substitute teacher, and they, they called him. They walked past and said, they said, What's your last name? He said, Melton, you little Lindsay. And I was like, Keller, who was that? I don't know. Son, <laughs> if they call you little Lindsay, that means that they know your daddy. <laughs> but it did my heart so good that somebody just walking by looked at my son and saw the reflection of their father. How awesome does it do the heart of God when, when we walk onto our jobs and we're reflecting the heart of God? When people cuss you out or do you dirty and you're still reflecting the heart of God. When you, don't, when you don't have enough to make ends meet and you're not spiraling out of control, you're not cussing, you're not going off, but instead you're still speaking faith. You're still holding on to the horns of the altar. You're still believing that every promise from God is yes and amen. How much good does it do the heart of our Father? Amen. amen. It's time we start reflecting him.
It's time you start reflecting him. Why? Because you was made in his image. You was made in his image. You was made in his image. When I look at, when I look at younger photos of my grandpa, I see my mom and I see, I see my uncle. When I look at younger photos of my mom, I see my sister. Some of y'all that grew up with mom back then, you, you look at Dre and it's like, woo. I even looked at Dre once, I was like, hey, Dre, like, I, I, I remember when you was born, but if I wasn't there, I would say, that, hey, did you time travel or something? Because this is, but when I look at my sister, I see my mother. And there's times when I look at myself, I see my earthly dad. How awesome is it that when we can look at ourselves and see and be reminded of our heavenly father, amen? We was created in his image and his likeness. So watch this, verse 26. It's proof that the invisible engineer of the universe it's proof that God, the invisible engineer of the universe, it's proof that his found expression, this is a heavy one, it's proof that his found expression of his image and likeness is visible in human life. Lindsay, what are you saying? I'm saying that the invisible God, verse 26 gives us proof that the invisible God has made himself visible in human form. Now, Lindsay, how do you know that? Because it says that let us make man in our image. Let them look like us. Let them have the same heart like us. Let them, let them be compassionate like us. Amen? Amen. I love this. That's why, that's why whenever we read the story of the garden and how Satan came in as a serpent and deceived them, that's why if you're like me, we get perplexed or we get stressed when we're like, when the serpent's like, hey, if you eat this, you'll be like God. And we're like, no, 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 you're already like God. The reason we have that thought is because we read this and we see, no, oh, we was made in the image of God. What are you doing? You know, if we could time travel and, and literally what we do, we slap whatever piece of fruit it was or some of us crush, we crush the serpent ourselves. Like, what are you, you're already made in the image of God. And, you know, sometimes we read that and we're like, well, I never would have done that. But a lot of times we do that now. When things are, are kind of going good and, and instantly the devil comes in with an intrusive thought. And we entertain it. And we're like, well, you, you know, I mean, God did promise me this, and I'm still at the same job. Or God did promise that my family was going to get saved, but I, I'm still the only one driving to church. Or, or God did promise that my body was going to be healed, but I'm still having to take pain medicine. Or I'm still having to go to therapy. Or, or, or I'm still single when I, when I should have a family. Or all these different things. But God did. But I look at my reality, and it's not matching up with what God said. And we find ourselves in the same position as Adam and Eve. Are we going to give weight to the intrusive thought? Or are we going to stand on the promises of God? Are we going to, get, are we going to believe? Are we going to entertain those negative thoughts? Or are we going to be like, no, 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 God promised me this. Imagine what would have happened if, if Eve or Adam would have remembered before they partook of it. If they would have, uh, if they, if, listen, let's just imagine for a minute, if they would have ran to a riverbank and looked down, we'd be in a different position. Lindsay, how do you know that? Because it says that they was made in his image. So if they would have seen their reflection, they would have been reminded, no, 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 that's, that's God. That's God. I'm, that's me, but I'm made in his image. No, I'm already like him. Literally. But because they didn't. Sin entered the world, amen? Sin entered the world, and it was, a, it was a hard fall, and it's something that we still pay the price for. It's something that we still uh, resonate or, or feel the effects of. 
But see, God, he imagined a being when he created Adam and Eve. He imagined a being whose intimate friendship would be uh, intriguing to him for eternity. He imagined mankind would be a partner or be partner in God's triune oneness. Listen to this. God's image and likeness would be unmasked in human form or in human life. God's image and likeness, it would be unmasked in human life. Let me give you another scripture. In Ephesians chapter 1, you can turn there. If not, I'll put it on the screen. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, we've read this several times. But watch this, verse 4. Paul says this, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. Look at that phrase, in love. Now, there's so much to unpack here. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you brought your suitcases because we're going to park right here. We're going to pack and we'll close in a minute. But I love this because one of the things I want to pack is it says that in love, that we were created in love. Lindsay, why is that phrase so powerful? Why is it? Why you keep saying that? Because it goes back to that circle dance. The early church, they talked about how in love, the father and the son and the spirit, they dwell. So out of that love, what did they do? They created us and created us in his image. And Paul says that we were that we were that we were created. We were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And if you look this up in the Greek, I'm going to skim through it real quick. But that word foundation, the word for it actually implies that before the fall of man. Your identity, he already knew you. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, and Jeremiah 29, 11, that he already, not only did he know you, but he knew you before you was in your mother's room, before he, before he knew that you were going to be something, or before your parents knew that you was going to be something, he already had a plan and a purpose for you. A plan and a purpose for you before the fall, before the foundations, of, before the first dirt was created on this earth. He already had a plan and purpose for the person you see in the mirror. This is what the life was like before the garden. You existed in him, and in him, he had a plan and purpose for you. Yes, your physical body may not be in here on the earth yet, but he knew you. And listen, y'all, if God knows me, I'm in good company. If God knows you, you're in good company. If your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, I'm going to go old school for a minute. If your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, I don't care what anybody else got to say about you. Oh, you in, you in good settings. You in good standards. Uh, according to Hebrews chapter 12 and chapter 13, if all of heaven is cheering you on, you don't need the applause of anybody else. You don't need a cosign from anybody else. You don't need anybody else's approval. That's one of the things that we're constantly trying to teach our boys. Hey, hey, buddy, listen, God loves you, but also your daddy, your earthly daddy loves you big. I don't care what any of those little knuckleheads say about you. You don't need the approval of anybody else when you got the approval of your earthly daddy. I tell him, I say, son, listen, your dad, your earthly daddy loves you to the point that he'll fight for you. But guess what? Your, your heavenly father loves you so much that he sent his son to the cross to undo what was done in our lives. And if, guess what? If he's willing to do that, I don't care what anybody else has to say about you. If God before you, what does the scripture say? Who? Who else? Why, why does it say not because the author is like, hey, is there anybody else that can stand up against you? No, the author, when he penned that phrase, I think that was his hip hop before hip hop. When he penned that bar, it was a it was a proclamation. If God is for you, who who else can stand against? Who else can try you? 
Who else can come against you? What can the devil do if God is for you? What kind of power does the devil have if God is literally raising Jesus from the grave and putting that same power in you to live and move and have your existence? Who can be against you? Who can be against you, church? Some of y'all need to start looking in the mirror and say, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, what diagnosis has the power over me? If God is for me, I don't care what my credit score says. If God is for me, I don't care what they said about me in high school. If God is for me, I don't care who waltz out or who waltz in. If God is for me, who can be against me? Who can be against you if God is supporting you? Amen? Who can be against you if God is supporting you? Who can be against you if God is supporting you? I love this because God has found us in Jesus before he lost us in Adam. You were in Christ before he lost you in Adam. You were in Christ before the fall. And this is what inseparable looks like. This is what it means to be be yoked with God and the Father, God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, Lindsay, why do we need to know this? And I'll close with this. Why do we need to know any of this? Why, as great as the theology is, why do we need to know this? I'm one of those where I'm like, I can receive information, but then also I'm like, okay, what, how does this help me? Has anybody ever liked that before? Somebody tells you something, you're like, oh, that's great to hear, but how, how does that help me? I remember as a kid, you know, I used to hear people say, you know, that has nothing to do with the price of rice in China. You know, that has nothing to do with the, you know, as a kid, as kids, we would say stuff like, you know, what's that, what's that got to do with the shingles on Snoopy's house? I don't know why we said that, but we just did. So, Lindsay, knowing that we existed, knowing that there's this perichoresis fellowship, knowing that there's this great dance between the Father, Son, and Spirit, how does that help me? Let me tell you how it helps you. You ready? Can I tell you how it helps you? Lindsay, you better tell me. I'm going to tell you. I know you're asking. But the reason it helps you or how it helps you is knowing this, becoming aware of this, it awakens you to the reality of your redeemed oneness. It awakens you to the reality of your redeemed oneness. I'm going to say it again. It, It awakens you to the reality of your redeemed oneness. You know, there's several scriptures. You can look it up. We won't go into it for time's sake. But literally, Colossians 2, 6, Romans 6, 23, and 1 John 4, 15, all of them talk about how that you and I are in union with the Father, Son, and Spirit. Union with the Father, Son, and Spirit. Talks about these, Paul talks about how we are in union with the Father, Son, and Spirit. <laughs> I remember as a kid going to see Lion King at the Princess Theater. And I was talking to a buddy about this. And Lion I, I I feel like that was my very first movie. I don't know. I remember one time, it wasn't my first movie, because I remember as a kid, got to go, I'm going to tell on mom, I'm going to tell on her, and y'all can get on her. But I remember one time, she was babysitting Jeremy and Jermaine. She's babysitting Jeremy and Jermaine, and uh, I was little then, and they, they wanted to go with their friends to see uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Ooh, I'm going to get it. This is good. Uh-huh. And uh, they took them, and, uh, you know, Jeremy and Jermaine and their friends, they're up front. They're at the front row. You know where mom and little, little Lindsay are? We're in the back because she's having a whole little lens. You can see he's screaming his eyes out because he had never seen something so creepy. So really, that's my first movie, Princess Theater. Uh, that's why to this day I don't mess with that. But still. But the Lord gave me another chance, gave mom another chance. They told me to see Lion King in 1990. We won't go to the year. But I remember sitting in Lion King, and I was just in love with that movie. To this day, I, if it's on, low-key, I watch it. I don't, I don't publicize it, but I, I watch it. 
But there's, there's, there's so much of the gospel in that movie. But I don't know if you noticed, and I was working one day, and the Lord brought this to my attention, but have you ever noticed, if you remember how the story went, have you, did you ever notice that Simba never saw himself as a lion when he was around Timon and Pumbaa? He never saw himself. He just saw him as one of the guys. And sometimes you need that moment where you're hanging around with other brothers, and you're like, man, I just want to be one of the dudes. You know, when I go to work and I get to work with the, you know, right now I read meters. So I'm just, I'm a lone wolf reading meters. But there's sometimes where I get to go work with the field services crew. And I like working with the field services crew because that's, that's, I mean, that's some manly men. You know, they're all of them, you know, like, big, I mean, just, just burly guys. You know, I got, got a little burly beard, so I'm fitting in a little bit. You know, all of them chew. I don't chew, but I chew gum. So I got, I got about three sticks of gum in there. I'm just... You know, we walk in people's houses, uh, train, uh, changing out pipes and all this other stuff. They got the bitch you. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 in that moment, I'm one of the guys. And in the movie, Simba, he, he doesn't realize that he's aligned when he's around Timon and Puma. In fact, he never saw himself as a lion. In fact, he, 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 he saw himself as a lion when he was around Nala. But he never saw himself as the lion until he heard the words from his father. Even as a little kid, he, he would try to play with everybody else. But when his father came on the scene, his father would remind him, no, 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 son. You're not just a lion. You're the lion. Everything that the light touches is yours. And I love this because, because literally knowing this about God, knowing this about the Holy Spirit, knowing this about Jesus, the same way that it did, did with Simba, it awakens something within you to realize that you are not just an ordinary brother. Or ladies, you are, just, you are not just an ordinary sister. You are not just an ordinary individual living in an ordinary town, in an ordinary county, in an ordinary world, singing a song about an ordinary girl. You are not just an ordinary person. You are extraordinary. Why? Because you have been brought back to life. You are not dead in your sins. Oh, Shalabala, you are not dead in your sins. You are not dead in your trespasses. But in fact, the God of heaven and earth saw fit to come down and put on flesh and bones and walk the same type of path that we walk every day, live the same type of life that we live every day, and literally to the point of death on the cross. And when that wasn't enough, he went down to the belly of the earth and brought back every captive and took out every, took the sting away of death. And three days later, God the Father, our Father, Father raised him back to life, to newness of life, but it gets better. Look at somebody say it gets better. It gets better because he didn't just come out of the grave. He brought you out of your sin, you out of your misery, you out of your insecurity, you out of your wrongness, you out of your pettiness. He brought you out of your flesh into newness of life. He gave you a brand new identity. He gave you a brand new name. He gave you a brand new nature. The old things that have passed away, the old way of doing life is not what you want to do anymore. The new way of life. Lindsay, what's the new way of life? Being led by him. Being led by his spirit. Receiving his wisdom on how to do what I do at my job. Receiving his wisdom on how to parent your children. Receiving his wisdom on how to interact with people that you don't get along with. Receiving his wisdom on how to balance the checkbook or how to save money or how to plan for a wedding. Receiving his wisdom on how to fix a vehicle or save for another vehicle. Receiving his wisdom on how to do whatever it is that you are walking through today. We get that. We get that. That's what he did for you before the foundations of the world. 
that's your reality. And we ain't even got to the garden. We'll get to the garden next week. But that's, that's where you sit right now. You sit in a fellowship. If you've made Jesus Lord of your life, you sit in a fellowship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. You sit in a fellowship where they are giving, you are giving, they are receiving, and you are receiving. Could you imagine what it's like to receive from the Lord? Woo! Could you imagine what it's like to receive from the Lord? Could you imagine what it would be like to receive from the Lord? Well, guess what? You don't have to imagine it. It's your reality. It is your reality. See, you know, how all this helps us is you know, it awakens us to the reality of our redeemed oneness. And see, discovering that your identity is now in Christ and that you bear his image, knowing this, it does, it does my favorite thing, it kills the imposter syndrome. It kills the imposter syndrome. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but imposter syndrome, it's actually something that we all wrestle with. The imposter syndrome, it's a psychological experience of feeling like a fake or phony despite having genuine success that you've achieved. It can show up in the context of work or relationships or friendships or just overall. It's a very common and frustrating phenomenon because it holds us back from doing what we need to do. It holds us back from engaging where we need to engage. Last, la last night, I'm going to just walk down my street and knock on my door to, this morning. Last night, we're in the coaches' meeting for the soccer league. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm just, I'm just painting the picture where we're at. In the Situ League, this, I was the only one with the undefeated season. So, therefore, they asked. They said, hey, are you going to come back and coach? I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, there's other people that request you. You need to come back and coach. We're excited for you to come back and coach. That's what they said. They get on the phone. So, therefore, as we're walking up to the door, I'm not thinking about all that. When we get in the room, People are like, hey, Lindsay, da, da, da. I can't, I can't, I can't smile because I had this overwhelming feeling of I don't belong there. Why, Lindsay, why, what are you doing sitting here? Why, why are you, all these intrusive thoughts, all these negative thoughts, all these lies from the enemy. And they're trying to go over the strategies and all the rules and all these different things. And Kel, I'm glad Kelsey was there because she's taking care of all the details and all that. Because I'm just, I'm in this tunnel of, Lord, I don't feel like I belong here. Lord, I need you right now. Lord, this overwhelming feeling of, Lord, what if they see my worst mistakes? Or what if they see this? Or what if they know that? Lord, I, I, I don't feel like I belong here. You know what that sounds like? Sounds like imposter syndrome, but when we technically, the textbook definition of imposter syndrome, it sounds a lot like Adam and Eve and what they wrestle with in the garden. Well, if you were like God, then he would have let you eat this fruit. Well, you know what? You, you got a point. What, why can't I eat the fruit? What, am I not like God? Why am I not like I thought I had his image. And a lot of times we do that. Well, I, I, I thought it would be different. Oh, that's a, that's a common one. I, I thought it would be different. It, maybe it's not different. Is it me? And a lot of times we accept people's burdens as our own when really, no, no, no. It's, it's not you. But the, the great thing that Jesus came to undo, he came to undo that. That feeling of that you don't belong. That feeling of that you're not good enough. That feeling of that things will never get better. This is the way it's always going to be. That's, that's one of the things I love about our Savior. That he came to undo that. That feeling that Adam had that he didn't belong in the garden. When guess what? He did belong, but therefore he messed up and now he, he wasn't you know, allowed to stay there. But that feeling that Adam and Eve had that caused them to sin, he came to undo that. 
And that's what we're going to be talking about this series. He came to undo the greatest lie, which is that you were not made in the image of God. Jesus came to undo the greatest lie in your life, which is you are separate from God. That there's God and then there's you, but really in Christ, we are one with him. That Jesus came to undo the greatest lie, which is you were not made in the image of God. He came to restore you back to that circle dance between himself, the Father, and the Spirit. He came to join you back to the dance that we walked away from. Lindsay, I, I wasn't there in the garden. No, you wasn't there, but the Hebrew word for Adam, going back to the Spanish lesson, the Hebrew word for Adam is, guess what, Adam, which is Adam. But what it means is mankind, all of mankind. So when Adam sinned, it represented all of mankind. So when Adam walked away from the great dance, all of man walked away. And one of my favorite authors and theologians, he says that he says it this way. And God's response to when man walked away was, wait up, I'm coming. Wait up, I'm coming with you. Wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me split these seas. I'm coming with you. Let me split these seas so you can get to the other side. I'm coming with you. Wait, you don't have to go in that deep, dark tunnel where there's lions about to devour you. I'm going to come and close the mouths of the lions. Wait, there's, there's walls blocking you from going to the city that you want. Wait, wait, through praising, I will destroy those walls. Wait, 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 there's giants in the land. Wait, I will, I will give me five rocks and it'll only take one to destroy the giant. Uh, wherever you go, I'm going with you. That was his response to us. You, hear, you feel how heavy this is? Oh, you better come back next Sunday. It gets deeper and deeper. But that was God's response to when mankind walked away. Wait, I'm coming with you. That's the God that we serve. He's not the coach that stands on the sideline. He's the coach that gets in with you. He's the coach that gets in with you. One of my favorite things about coaching Keenan's soccer team is because he's young enough to where we still have to get on the field. You know, every now and then I'll, we'll go against a team that the coach doesn't want to get on the field. They'll stay on the sideline. But me, I'm, I'm right there. And especially my boys on the field, I'm right there with them. And I'm, with, you know, I'm whispering to them, Keenan, you got it. You got it, Keenan. Passing to Sosa, you got it, Keenan. Dude, you so good, Keenan. Watch out, watch out, watch out. You got it, Keenan. You got it, you got it, Keenan. You got it, you got it, you got it, Keenan. We serve a God that is not yelling from the sideline, but he's right there with us. And not just right there with us, but he's right there in us. He's right there in you. Remember that when you go to work tomorrow, when it feels like, hey, I'm, I'm distant from the Holy Spirit. I'm distant from the Lord. I'm distant from Jesus. No, 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 you're not distant. They're right here, right here. But guess what? Not only are they right here, you're in them. You're in them. You're in the palm of his hands. You're in the palm of his hands. You are in the palm of his hands, church. If you made the decision to make him Lord of your life, guess what? He's in you and you are in him. <sighs> Hallelujah. God's good. Amen. God's good. Amen. If you're able to, let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the True North Church podcast. If you're not already following us on social, check out our website at truenorth731.com to find direct links to our pages. Also, if you would like to contribute to the work we are trying to do, you can click the safe and secure giving link and follow the prompts. Thank you for helping us build and strengthen our community. Until next time, have a great day.